This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. This could turn out much better for far more people than the doomsday scenario types are leading you to believe. And I am jumping in the tub of optimism tonight. Late kick is jam-packed high atop a glorious downtown Nashville, Tennessee, Thursday night, February 8th, the year of our Lord, 2024. I think it may be fine after all. And I'm not just talking about for 15 or 20 programs out there. I'm talking about the future as we look out over the horizon and all these negative headlines and all these doomsday scenarios. Maybe... Just maybe it'll turn out well, nay, better than expected for far more people than expected. I know that's vague. Don't worry. I'll get into some specifics tonight. Nick Saban's got a new job. Good for him. Wasn't employed for very long. Big 10 programs. This was so popular the other night when we did it with the SEC. We are ranking Big 10 programs tonight at which point everyone will proceed to misinterpret what I'm saying and misalign the criteria and totally freak out. And that's okay. That's what God invented February 4. Uh, it's a little bumpy behind the scenes at Michigan right now. They just won a national title five minutes ago, so it makes no sense if you're a more casual-minded fan. And by that, I just mean you're not paying a whole lot of attention. You may say, what? What do you mean it's bumpy up there? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. we got a loaded show tonight, maybe even a jam-packed show tonight. They're watching us in Enterprise, Alabama, Laramie, Wyoming, New Haven, Connecticut, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Thank you guys so much. Hey, so we're doing the Pate State Speaker Series. That'll be later in the spring, and we're going to go all over the country for that. But I'm also just toying with the idea of um, having a few conversations with some people. I don't necessarily know that it's the kind of thing that I want to do on the show, Okay, but I want to do it. So... I think that if you're following me on social, at Late Kick Josh, I think we're, we're probably headed towards doing some things, you know, maybe chatting with some folks that you, you wouldn't expect to be on the show. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on on Twitter and Instagram, but be looking for that. And we'll see if you like it. If you don't, I'll scrap it. If you do, I'll do a lot more of it. But I'm just kind of interested in, in branching out with not, not like a new form of content, but College football-based content? Maybe it's not with some people you would expect us to be talking to. Anyway, that's, um, that's for a few weeks down the road. In the meantime, let's get down to business, shall we? Oh, by the way, before we get down to business, we do not have a show Sunday night. Now, we, we talked with the NFL. I asked them to move the Super Bowl up. Something about tradition, and they big-timed us. To be frank, they big-timed us. So we could not get the Super Bowl kickoff time moved. So we will not have a show Sunday night. We'll be back next Thursday. I'll have you a Late Kick Extra episode on Tuesday or Wednesday in the podcast feed. So, you know, doesn't mean they're our sworn enemy, but it is what it is this weekend, I'm afraid. Got you a lot of content coming tonight, though. So, so let's just all clap it up here. Nice, positive vibe to start the show. I'm feeling a little optimistic about the future of college football. And whomst amongst us thought that we'd be saying anything like that? Colin, do you have the tweet from uh, December 30th? So back in December, uh, late December, for that matter, we were out at the Rose Bowl. I was in California, met with several people, and it really opened my eyes. I mean, like, whoa, saucer big. And I realized big changes are coming quick. So that night, 
I took to my eye, Josh, and I tweeted out right there in downtown Los Angeles, quote, I'm very confident big changes are coming to CFB. Multiple tipping points have been hit. I don't know when or how yet, but every powerful person seems aligned in their belief that something big is imminent. Well, nothing's changed there, except some of it has made itself clear at this point. you got the Big Ten and the SEC aligning themselves. Of course, we've got all kind of headlines about how coaches are fed up with the calendar in December. And then there's a lot of consternation about whether good coaches are leaving the sport. And then there's, you know, maybe some mischaracterization of every single coach that leaves college football is leaving for the same reasons. Zoom it out. Zoom it. Don't get lost in the weeds. Zoom it out. The bottom line is we all want the same things around here. What do you and I want? Well, we want the college football table to be preserved with as much pageantry and tradition on that thing as we grew up enjoying. We want as many seats at that table as possible. We don't want to have the tradition and the pageantry, but we've got 30 seats being taken out of the room because there's, there's no space left for Washington State and Oregon State at the head college football table. That's inexcusable. Okay, if that ends up being the case, it is a shame, and it means that this sport has been horrifically mismanaged by some very, very dumb people. So I don't want that, and you don't want that. We would also love some coherent oversight over the sport. That's really all we're asking for. It's not that much at the end of the day, but it is a heavy lift right now because we're a little ways down a road that uh, we need to hit the reverse button on. So what's threatening us having that? Sounds simple. We had it for a while. Sounds simple. What's threatening us? Well, of course, we've got a changing legal landscape, and you've got the NCAA not having a very clearly defined role, and they themselves don't even understand what their role is. In some cases, they're very ineffective at executing what their role is supposed to be. It doesn't all fall in their lap, though. If you rewind 20 years, 30 years in this sport, a lot of very powerful people, university presidents included, had the opportunity to take some mm, small to mid-sized steps in things like revenue share, player compensation, player rights, whatever, that may not have quite led to the steepness of the slippery slope on which we find ourselves now. And of course, you've got us finding out that the NCAA castle never had water in the moat. There were no alligators in the moat. As it turns out, you were always able to storm the castle. It just, it just so happens that it took a little while for some former players to realize it and some very, very high-profile legal minds out there to figure it's not quite as fortified as it once seemed. Get them! Charge! And so everyone's coming to attack college football right now. That's not actual reality, but it seems that way. Okay, so that has us a little worried right now in the college football community. Those of us like me, like a vast majority of you, who, um, you know, we like to slice open the sport and what's at that core we think is unique. We don't think any other sport out there has that, right? And that's why Saturdays in the fall are sacred to us. And we don't want outsiders screwing it up for us. And, and some people who claim to be insiders aren't really insiders. They're just, they're posers. It's a Trojan horse situation. It has nothing to do with USC, for those unfamiliar. So, as Meemaw used to tell me, yeah, dumb people can screw stuff up, but smart people have to clean up dumb people's mistakes all the time. And this is no different. But I think we can clean up the mistake. So now not to bore you with the legalese here, because I myself do not have a law degree. Pate State has a law school, but I don't teach any of the courses, and I'd probably flame out pretty quick there. But here's the long and short of it, okay? The biggest threat to the sport right now, the biggest threat to upending college athletics, as you know it right now, is making its way through the courts. It's a class action lawsuit. It is House versus NCAA. And basically what's going on is some former athletes are looking around and saying, wait a second, if the courts are saying that some of these NCAA rules violate antitrust laws today, didn't they always violate antitrust laws? And if that's the case, Aren't we due compensation because didn't we get screwed out of an opportunity in 1988 and 98 and 2008 to profit off of our name, image, and likeness? Let's sue. It's the American way. And that's making its way through the court system out there in the Ninth uh, District Court right now. And they may very well win if it goes all the way to trial and it goes all the way to gavel meeting table. And if that were to be the case, the damages would be in the multiples of billions, and it's more than they got. And that would be a big problem. 
that's a big problem because at that point, I don't really think you are interested in knowing where the bailout would come from to save college athletics. That's not a road I'm even going down tonight because I think we may not get there. This is where the optimism is coming in. So the more and more I've been diving into this and the more conversations I've been having, the more optimistic I am that a settlement may be reached in that case. Now, I'm not going to bore you with courtroom daily updates here or anything like that, but I am rooting for it. And I'm going to humbly suggest why I think you should root for it as well, because I think it could really, really pump some life, like supercharged, highly caffeinated life into college football and into the confidence a lot of people have about the future of this sport. So just imagine this is nowhere near done. I am just hoping right now, but it's guided hope. Imagine with me for a second, there is a settlement in a case like House versus NCAA. And imagine instead of being on the hook for several billions of dollars, you're on the hook for a small percentage of that. And the NCAA and the the former Power Five leagues, they're charged and tasked with paying that out. But part of that settlement brings with it antitrust legislation, maybe from Congress, but only and only if those Power Five leagues or whatever the modern day version of that is enter into some sort of world where there is revenue sharing. And you've got those big fat media rights deals. Okay, well, if you want help from us, meet us halfway. You want antitrust exemption to where you can actually enforce your laws without every other one of them being found to be illegal? Well, give the players money and let them have a slice of the pie. And at that point, imagine the powers that be going, fair enough, probably long overdue, fair enough. The entire model does not have to implode. Okay, mutually assured destruction is the path we're currently on right now. And there are a lot of folks filing a lot of lawsuits and a lot of players banging the drum for players' rights and compensation, and I get this and I get that. You only get it if the sport's worth what it's worth right now. And I'm not saying that the lights get turned off overnight or anything like that, but I am saying down the road, you could cross a line in the sand uh, that makes the sport not quite recognizable like it is right now, and it turns some people off. But even if that didn't happen, you also head down a road where you cross a Rubicon, and all of a sudden, a lot of sports that exist right now don't exist. And even in the world of football, a lot of programs that exist right now don't exist. The other night, when I dealt that harsh reality that's a potential reality, some people who never watched the show and just saw the clip said, why am I supposed to be okay with that? Why am I supposed to be okay with some programs dying? You're not. You're not. What you did is you didn't listen to me when I was over in England or Belfast, wherever in the world they built Titanic. I'm standing there in the shipyard and I'm yelling at them, guys, guys, you may want to rethink the construction here. I don't like this schematic. What if? What if? What if? Well, they didn't listen to me and they built the ship the way they built it. And so I'm on her maiden voyage, me and Leo and Kate and everyone's on the maiden voyage. And then we hit an iceberg. At that point, you don't get to go back and reconstruct the ship. You got to make the best with the current set of circumstances. So imagine someone standing there saying, guys, we're in trouble and not all of you are going to make it. But if we pack these lifeboats as full as we can, we can avoid, you know, the biggest disaster in maritime history, at least in terms of loss of life. Imagine doing that. And there's this fool over here on a message board saying, that's not acceptable. Your plan includes loss of life. Hey, man, every plan at that point includes loss of life. There quite literally is no plan that doesn't include a loss of life. And so we continue to go down the road we're on right now. There is no path that involves every program making it. There isn't. There just isn't. I don't know how else to dress that up for you. I could lie to you, uh, but I don't really have interest in doing that tonight. So I would, I would prefer us not to continue going down that route. I am rooting for a settlement in this case, and I am rooting for part of that settlement to be some form of help from either Congress or some way absent Congress being involved for conferences to be able to enter into media rights revenue sharing models with their student athletes. Eh, with their players. Because this is part two of what I want you to imagine tonight. As it's been presented to me, there is a world out there where we reach settlements in these court cases. There is a world out there where these power conferences enter into revenue sharing deals with their players. There's a world out there where if I'm a freshman wide receiver at Clemson, 
or Purdue or Auburn or Arizona, I know right off the top, just because I'm a player in that conference, I'm going to get, let's say, $30,000 a year. It elevates to 55 or 60 the second year. It escalates up to six figures the third year contingent on the idea that I'm at the same university in my third year. I'm not locked in. There is no piece of paper that says I have to stay at that university. But buddy, there is extremely scalable, escalating incentive to make me want to stay at the same university because all of a sudden the conference that my school's a member of is telling me, kid, the longer you stay at Purdue, the longer you stay at Alabama, the longer you stay at Texas Tech, the more lucrative it's going to be for you. You're free to move. Okay, we're, we're not going to tell you you can't transfer, and there may still be circumstances where players need to transfer just as there always has been. We're going to build in language for if your coach leaves, you don't suffer punitively financially like maybe someone who just decides to leave for the heck of it, but you're going to be incentivized to stay. And I think there's a world where that could happen. And some very smart people think there's a world where that could happen. I'm all for this, by the way, because what else it does is it takes the player and they're always going to look out for themselves as they should, as you would and I would as well. But also imagine, you know, if I'm a wide receiver at West Virginia, not only am I looking out for me, but if I know my share of that revenue sharing is tied to the success of this conference, man. I'm all in for myself. I'm all in for my team. I'm all in for that conference. I'm doing everything I can to promote this team in this conference because as they earn, so too do I. It almost sounds like the modern workplace, doesn't it? The only difference is I haven't used the E word yet, and that is employee. Can this stuff be collectively bargained without that? That's the great unknown. It's not, usually. It's not. But as you can tell, we need some creative thinking already here. Why not apply it to that portion as well? So I'm not going to spend 20 minutes on this tonight, 15 maybe, but not 20, but I have some optimism, guys, because see, in that world, you know, in that world where there is basically a foundation, no matter where you go in the SEC or the Big Ten, or, and I'm not just limiting it to those two conferences, no matter where you go, if you know just by signing this piece of scholarship paper, I'm making X amount of dollars. Well, then all of a sudden, NIL still exists, but NIL would not nearly be the universal recruiting inducement that it is right now, um, because right now, you're, you're able to lure kids with $30,000 right now. And I'm not trying to poo-poo the impact 30 k would have in your bank account, but I'm telling you, in the grand scheme of things right now, that should not be enough to be swaying kids to the left and right, but it is. Because a lot of these kids have nothing. And so if they know they're going to have something either way, well, then they're making a lot more informed decision about where I should best go apply my talents to the fit that's the best for me instead of just who offers the most. And, and secondly, I am a believer that maybe, just maybe, part of that new college football world includes a lot more stringent and enforceable language on punishing wrongdoers who do continue to use NIL as a recruiting inducement. And I think you guys would be shocked at how on board vast majorities of coaches and universities would be for that. They'd sign off on it tomorrow. The great illusion is, oh, all these coaches want to cheat. Oh, all these universities want to cheat. No, no, they don't. They don't. A vast majority of them complain, 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 and would love to be able to press a magic button where tomorrow, if anyone is found to be using NIL as a recruiting inducement, they get taken out behind the woodshed for a little while. They'd love it because, number one, it would stop most of it. Number two, then they wouldn't feel pressured to do it. Now, you, um, you can take that or you can sell it off as BS, but that's what a majority of them will tell you behind the scenes. So fingers crossed, everyone. Fingers crossed. Doesn't have to be the end of the world. I appreciate you guys watching tonight. Uh, make sure, as I've been asking you for a month now, to uh, subscribe to the channel and subscribe to the podcast. Let's continue to move on in the program. Colin, did you get, uh, Jesse and Colin, did you get this invite, this group text invite to management's house? Management is having what we call an SBP in the industry, a Super Bowl party. It really is not industry terminology. It's just a garden variety acronym. But suspiciously, management has invited us 
to the party Sunday night. And this is not typically the kind of company that Jesse and Colin and I would keep. I think even Bradley got an invite, and good for management if that's the case. I don't know. TBD on that one. If I go, if I go, it will not be a wasted trip. I will provide you guys updates in the old uh, Instagram story. Who knows, man? Maybe they'll move one of the Teslas out of the garage and we can bring the ping pong table in there and play. We can all hope, can't we? So Nick Saban's got a new job, huh? Nick Saban has been hired by ESPN and he's going to appear on College Game Day. Who called it? I think a lot of people, so no one really deserves credit for this. But I will, I will remind you of one thing. We had a segment, I don't know, like a year or two ago, and someone said, hey, when do you think Saban will retire? What do you think he'll do when he retires? And I said, I have no clue when he's going to retire, but he's going to game day once he retires. Now, it's been pretty well known behind the scenes that this offer's just been sitting on his table for like a decade. And uh, John Talty, friend of the program, wrote a book where he talked about over a decade ago, I think right around a decade ago, Saban contemplated retiring then. And this is where he would have gone then. And this is where he's going now. Now, what I said last year when someone asked is, I think he'll go to game day. And that wasn't the takeaway. The takeaway was, I told you guys, the day he retires from Alabama, he will get a raise. And you said, well, how is that possible? He's the highest paid coach in college football. You're right. That, that just means you vastly underestimate how much money there is in the world of talking on TV for a living. Now, I'm wearing a white t-shirt, so obviously I'm not exactly taking that windfall in like Nick Saban is. Nick Saban's going to be paid more to do this than he was to be the head coach at Alabama. So bank on that. And I also have a sneaking suspicion that as Nick Saban gets a little taste of this world and how it does not exactly require a 17-hour workday to shine on college game day talking about what you've been an expert in for your entire life in a microphone, I get the sense that... um, you know, maybe he looks past just being a participant and maybe looks into things like ownership and not a, not of ESPN per se, but looks into, you know, some of the same things the Mannings have looked into, for example, and that is full scale production. And that is owning that production house. And that's, that's just running your own team again. It's just, you're playing a different game. I think Nick Saban could be, think about this. I'm going to speak carefully here. I think this could lead to Nick Saban being an even bigger star than he already was. And he's the biggest star, one of the biggest stars in the history of this game in his profession. But he left the game at or near the top, first off. Secondly, he's universally respected. And now, unlike at any other point you've ever known him in, he has the freedom to be as honest as he wants to be. You've never heard him unfiltered. You've never, I've been around him off the record before. If you can get that version of him, it will be must-see TV. It will be unbelievable. And it's not that he's a hot take artist. It's just that his insight and him directing his thoughts and his words through the prism and filter of his applied wisdom is really amazing. You just want to sponge it up. And also, no one has a catalog of better stories. No one has a better network than him. I mean, everybody knows him or wants to know him. He can call in any favor at any time. And also, I think just his honest analysis of the game or teams or players, even with how much talent we have in this space right now, would be induplicable. No one else would have that. And I think Urban Meyer's done a really, really good job on the Fox broadcast. I mean, I've told you, like, candidly, that that Fox broadcast on Saturday mornings takes a backseat to nothing for me. I think it's really good, and there's a lot of substance to it. But man, when you add Nick Saban to the mix, there is no other Nick Saban in the space. Now, I was thinking about this. Consider a nine-year-old kid right now. If you're 35 or 45 or 55, you've grown up and you've known Nick Saban, the head coach, not only at Bama, but you knew him as the Dolphins and LSU and Michigan State. So you've watched his whole career. He's a head coach. He's a legend to you. But if you're nine years old, I mean, yeah, like... You can walk and chew gum at the same time, but you don't, you cannot possibly have the respect for what that guy just did as, you know, full grown adult version of you would. So a picture of a nine-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid came along at the very tail end of Saban's career. What will Nick Saban be to that kid when he's 19? A decade from now, 
Nick Saban, 72. He's 82 a decade from now. Could very well still be doing what he's about to be doing. You realize we're not too far away from a young, young generation of people knowing Nick Saban as a broadcaster, not as a a coach. They'll know that he coached, but they will have grown up with him as a broadcaster. And that's going to be a very, very uncomfortable time for some of you who are in your mid to late 20s right now, because it will be that moment when some 19-year-old kid talks about Nick Saban as being that guy on TV who talks for a living, that is the first time in your life you will ever feel old. And it's going to suck, but I just want to prepare you for it. Still a little ways away right now, but I just want to prepare you for it. So Nick Saban to college game day. It finally, finally happened. Academy Sports and Outdoors has done great business in Nashville this past week, I guarantee you, because we had uh, three days at least, four days, I think, where it was above 60 degrees. Uh, Two days was above 65 because I track such things. And it was sunny, wall-to-wall sun outside. And Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's like I told you, just just stop on by. They are completely stocked up for what inevitably will turn into a beautiful spring around these parts. And I know if you live in Southern California right now, you do not believe that could ever happen because you guys have gotten a lifetime's worth of rain in about the past 96 hours. I promise you, I've studied the atmospheric patterns I've studied Pacific oscillation patterns. It's going to turn for us eventually. And when it does, I just want you to have a a nice canopy to sit under. I just want you to have a nice chair to lounge in. Academy Sports and Outdoors has that. And if you're ready to stock up for spring sports season, softball is eventually going to be here for us. Academy Sports and Outdoors or Academy.com is the place to do that. One-stop shop for pretty much everything you need in life. Uh, They are our exclusive partner, and we sincerely appreciate them always being on board with us eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, let's move it along in the show. Oh, you know what I didn't even do? I didn't even lip balm up. And I have been told by dedicated viewers of the show that when I've been putting on the lip balm recently, I have been accused of making what are called butthole lips on air, which is this right here. So we're not going to do that anymore. No more butthole lips. We're just going to just gonna lazily put it on like that. All right. Lips are moisturized. 
butthole lips. Can you believe that? And you know what? If it's true, it's true. Jesse, you should have told me long before anyone who watches this show had to tell me. So in any event, it's not my fault. That's all I want to hammer home. Florida State in 2024, what are they going to be? Let's look at the tweet. I was asking you guys about radical opinions, about biggest predictions for this year. And I said, the biggest story of college football in 2024 is going to be what? And one of you said, DJ Uyangalale, who is now at Florida State, in case you missed that, is going to have a resurgence that leads to Florida State making the playoff. Okay, is that radical? Is that is that, that bold a prediction? Let's dissect it for a second. So they have the ninth best odds to win the national championship this coming year, Florida State. Uh, they have the best odds in the ACC. So they are the current favorite to win the ACC this upcoming year. They're already kind of there. If you're talking about them making a playoff this year, the level they finished last season at, they're there. There's no guarantee you just copy and paste your finish to be where you start this upcoming year. We always preach against that philosophy. But, I mean, Florida State's team last year, I don't want to get into whether they should or shouldn't have. They nearly made the playoff this past year, and that's a four-team field. A 12-team field, not only would they have been in, they, they probably would have been given a bye as an undefeated Power 5 conference champ, however that ends up working. So do they just remain the caliber they are? First off, now, that's easier said than done. So DJ Uyangalala, he was at Clemson, then he went to Oregon State last year, now he's at Florida State. Do we need a resurgence here? I think what you do need is the best year he's had so far. And hey, man, progression, year one, year two, year three, like it's supposed to happen that way. It doesn't always happen that way. I think he needs his best year. I think he needs improvement in the category of completion percentage, and he needs improvement in cutting down on turnovers. Okay, because Jordan Travis was a really, really good football player, and it's a shame that it ended the way it did for him, or else we would have been able to see what he could do in a playoff setting. Uh, but maybe we just hit the delay button on Florida State in the playoff. I think we did. Like, I think they're going to be in the playoff several years. I think they're going to take a crack at it. If you get better completion percentage, if you get lower turnovers, if, if they plug him in this offense like I think they're capable of doing, maybe it does look like a resurgence. Maybe he's just in a good spot. They're losing their top two wide receivers. Uh, they're in the bottom half of returning production. They backfill very nicely there. Portal, recruiting. They just finished with the number 12 recruiting class. But those portal pieces, they'll be, they'll be a contender. Um, you, you won't watch them and say, boy, they're hurting for talent this year. I believe in the program. You know, Florida State is, is entering that world where some of these questions like returning production or how many new starters you're going to have or how inexperienced your starting 22 are. You know, I'm, I'm sort of getting to the point where I just look and say, hey, I don't know, but I think Mike Norvell does. And I trust that guy. I trust Mike Norvell and salute there. So, yeah, you know, DJ doesn't have to carry that team on his, on his back. Uh, they'll have a lot of proven commodities and they'll have a lot of capable commodities. And like I said, they're favored to win the conference right now. So let's see how that unfolds. But I don't think it takes some miracle, which was the way the, the, the tweet was kind of phrased there. I didn't even realize I brought coffee out onto the desk. You know, yet again, here I am holding a completely blank cup in my hand. And it's, it's hold on a second. Let me draw something here. Question mark. See this question mark? Why is your logo not on this cup? I'm going to drink stuff on this set anyway. Who in the world misses this chance for product placement? Not Academy Sports and Outdoors, that's for sure. So the other night, we took it upon ourselves to rank the, the SEC programs. Not teams, programs. Uh, I want to say about 30% of respondents promptly took that opportunity to misconstrue what we said and pretend like it was a team ranking. So I had Missouri at number 10, for example, which if you're ranking the team Missouri number 10 is asinine because there are not 10 better teams coming into this year than Missouri in the SEC. But I wasn't doing that. So what we're going to do tonight... What we're going to attempt to do tonight is we are going to attempt to rank the Big Ten programs. Now, um, you know we have 18 in this thing now. It's crazy. So I'm going to take a nice sip from this cup of coffee, and then I'm going to do my best. That's all I can do. It's all Mima ever said she expects of me. I just need to do my best. 
So here we go. Lukewarm coffee. <laughs> Lukewarm at best. We love a good Luke, though. <sighs> okay. Let's rank the Big Ten programs. So what I value when I am ranking a program is not just what you did last year or what I think you're going to do this year. For a program, I'm looking at a rolling three-year snapshot, and I blend things like on-field results, talent acquisition, stability, and resource pool. All of those things matter when I'm defining the status of a program. So I have six tiers here, by the way, in the Big Ten. Six tiers! of programs. Tier one, this is going to be controversial, whatever. I've got Ohio State as the number one program in the Big Ten right now. They've got double-digit wins the past three years. they got top five recruiting classes the past three years. Uh, they are a big-time flex in the portal right now. They've got an extremely deep pool of resources, and they've got stability. Those are all the things I'm looking for. You might say, well, aren't you looking for wins against Michigan on the field? Yeah. Yeah, I sure am, which is why Michigan would be number one, and in pure on-field results, they are number one, but I have to factor in what just happened. I have to factor in that the coaching staff got gutted, and the head coach that was responsible for that left. Uh, Michigan's still a heck of a program, though, so it's not a knock. It's the same thing I did with Bama. I got respect for Kalen DeBoer. I got respect for Sharon Moore. And I've got respect for the overall state of the program. We're going to talk about Michigan later in the show. So Michigan's still the number two program here. They're 40-3 and three in their past three years. Back-to-back -back classes outside of the top 10 is interesting in recruiting, but this has been a developmental program. Okay, so Michigan's not a program that has needed top five recruiting classes. Oregon, I've got in tier one. Oregon, day one in the Big Ten, I've got them as the number three program in the Big Ten. They are surging right now. They got back-to-back-to-back double-digit win seasons, back-to-back -to -back top 10 classes. They are finishing right now, I think, with the number three class in the country. Just insane recruiting right now. Not to put portaling in a backseat because Dan Lanning and his staff are bringing in really good guys in the portal as well. And they have maximum investment. They have maximum stability and resource pool up there. So Ohio State, Michigan, and Oregon make up tier one in the Big Ten. Tier two is not deep at all. There's one team in Tier 2 in the Big Ten, and that is Penn State. When you look at Penn State, you see a lot of very good. Not much elite. You see a whole lot of very good, though, and there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, they are a back-to-back double-digit win program. They've got uh, three, well, three classes now, back-to-back-to-back, -back -back, I think, Jesse, in the top 15 in recruiting. They're the model of stability. You never look at Penn State and say, ooh, there's like a lot of issues behind the scenes there. I'd love for them to continue to invest more in things like NIL. Like I not that they haven't. I'd love to see it more. I'd love to be talking about Penn State like we're talking about Oregon and Ohio State. But, but that, that's holding them to that standard. If I hold them to a normal standard, they're above and beyond most of the Big Ten. So I, I have told you, I think James Franklin and Penn State are the most accurately rated program and coach in America. They have been beating everyone that they're supposed to beat. They lose to the ones that allegedly, according to Vegas, they're supposed to lose to. And that means I'm slotting them right where they need to be, right there at number four in tier two. Tier three gets very interesting in the Big Ten. I got USC as the fifth best program in this conference, but I think it is tier three because I think there is separation between those those top two tiers and those top four teams and USC. So notice, talked about this the last two shows, USC's not buried here. When I said they're in tier three, I told you those first two tiers aren't very crowded. 11 and three and eight and five. Those are the records Lincoln Riley's had in his first two years there. Recruiting's been good. It has not been elite. Uh, that's probably the one thing that's taken people by surprise. You may have thought when Lincoln Riley went to USC, top five class after top five class, and maybe they'll still get there, but they have not been there yet. Haven't been bad, uh, but they have not been elite. Kind of feels like Clemson. Clemson's recruiting pretty good right now, but not elite. Uh, they have got right now a philosophy and staff churn that's going on at USC. I've still got confidence in Lincoln Riley. I talked about that, I think, on Twitter the other day. Someone asked me, hey, do you still think he can win a title? Sure I do. Sure I do. Doesn't always have to be in the next 12 months, guys. It could be three years down the road. Uh, but Lincoln Riley, to his credit, I think he realized 
man, plan A is not going to work for me. I got to make moves here. I got to redefine a lot of what my program is. Good for him. He wouldn't be the first guy to do that, nor will he be the last. I got Washington behind USC. So two newcomers here. I got in the five and six spot, and these are both tier three schools. They're 25 and three in the last two years. This is very interesting because how do you ignore what Washington's just done? And how do you juxtapose that to what just happened to him afterwards? So I kind of met in the middle here. Uh, They backfilled their head coaching position really nicely. Kalen DeBoer walks out the door, but you went and got Jed Fish. And Jed Fish walked in, and you know what attracted him to Washington, I think, is knowing they are really, really all in up there. They get ignored because they're north of Oregon, and Oregon's got Nike. Uh, Washington is really, really well aligned. I mentioned this the other day. I'll tell you again. You ought to go find Adam Brenneman's trip up to Seattle last year when he sat down with Kalen DeBoer, and they were talking about that. They were talking about how, how much alignment there, there is in the university. You haven't always said that about Washington. So I think that they've got a good pool there. Recruiting has not been what it needs to be. They've got to uptick that, but I got them at number six. Iowa, I've got at number seven. They're a model of consistency. They're just the same thing over and over again. Uh, they are not as good as those top schools. They beat most of the other schools. They are who they are. There is no top 35 class in the last three years for them, uh, but they, they have a style. They have a culture there. I don't know who the new OC is going to be. Maybe it won't even matter because it's going to be the Iowa offense either way. So I got Iowa at number seven. Now we go to tier four. Wisconsin leads off tier four. I think Wisconsin will be north of tier four and north of number eight when we're sitting here doing this again this time next year. Uh, They could ascend rapidly. They are a top 25 recruiter now under Luke Fickle. They got three straight winning seasons. I think they are just scratching the surface under Fickle of what they're capable of. That's going to be a big boy program, I think, in the not-too-distant future. So what they have been gets them at the number eight spot. What they will be, I think, could vault them up much further than that. I got Maryland at number nine. It was tough to figure out where to put Maryland. They've gone seven and six and then a couple of eight and five seasons, which you probably don't realize because they've been parked in the East. They are the biggest beneficiary of this division system dissolving because they've been the ones that have been capable of probably winning the West, but they hadn't been able to be over there. They've been playing Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State every year. They're, they're kind of a, a top 30 to top 40 recruiting program right now. I think Maryland sits at number nine, and I think Nebraska's right behind them at number 10. On field, Nebraska's been three and nine, four and eight, five and seven, so not as good as Maryland. I mean, they've been progressing, if you want to call it that, but they got back-to-back top 25 classes now in recruiting, and they've got the resources, and I think now they've got the stability, and they got the right head coach in Matt Rule. So I put Nebraska there in number 10. I think all three of those programs there, I could find reason to believe are in ascension mode. Let's go to tier five. It gets messy here because I've got uh, one, two, three. I got six teams. I got six programs in tier five. I got Nebraska at number 10. That, that's the end of tier four. All right, tier five. We go Michigan State at number 11. Jonathan Smith's coming in to take over, and I, I love him as a head coach, but he just got there five minutes ago. Uh, they got back-to-back losing seasons, which just makes that 2021 year Feels so long ago. Got Minnesota at number 12. Two nine-win seasons out of the past three. They were 500 this past year, though. Uh, recruiting, not special. Purdue, 13, like UCLA, 14. I have, I have no clue what to make of UCLA right now. No clue. Don't know if Chip Kelly's going to be there. I would lean towards him not being there this upcoming year. And so, I mean, how do, how do you define what the program even is? It's in a state of flux, top to bottom. Rutgers at 15. Rutgers. Could be a big mover. Rutgers, check out that schedule. Jesse, just in my ear, give me a yes or no here. Does Rutgers play Ohio State this year? Does, no. Does Rutgers play Michigan this year? No. Does Rutgers play Oregon this year? No. How did they pull that off? That's not a yes or no question, I know, but Rutgers, there it is, a little scarlet shark fin off a... Uh, off the shore, it's just, it's just Lance Glenn with a fake shark fin on his back. But still, there is a Rutgers shark fin offshore. Like one of you got that reference, by the way. Uh, I've got Illinois behind them. And then in Tier 6, because yes, there's a Tier 6 in the Big Ten. I got Northwestern 
I mean, four and twenty in the last two 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 years ago, and then they went eight and five last year, hundred and second in recruiting. I don't know. And uh, Indiana, they're nine and twenty-seven in the last three years with a new head coach. So that is how the Big Ten stacks up. I look forward to getting your feedback on those power rankings of programs. But but I will just humbly ask, if you say someone's too high, tell me who belongs ahead of them and give me your reasoning. I'm happy. I'm not happy, but I'm willing to have disagreement. But don't just say, oh, this is stupid. They don't, they don't belong here. Well, who does? Who does? Anyway, we move on. Oh, guess what happened? Get between now and the last time we spoke, guess what happened? Bill Connolly dropped the returning production metrics. I have always been an advocate of Bill Connolly's returning production article being featured at halftime of the Super Bowl. I don't need to listen to Usher. I would much rather know what Clemson's returning production numbers look like. And so Bill Connolly has dropped these over on ESPN.com. I normally take half a day off work just to consume it, but now I work in this industry, so management considers this work. These are a very, very valuable resource. Yes, recruiting matters. Yes, backfilling losses matter through the portal. No, this is not a tell-all stat, but it's a valuable resource. How much of your production is returning this upcoming year? And I was looking at the top 10. Guess who number one is? Well, first off, guess who number two is? Iowa State, playoff team this upcoming year. Spoiler alert. Virginia Tech's number one. Got 86% returning production. Iowa State just behind them at 85%. And the rest of the top 10 sounds like this. Nebraska, Oklahoma State, Virginia. What's happening in the state of Virginia this year? Northwestern, Kennesaw State, welcome to FBS. Rutgers, Miami of Ohio, and Syracuse. I think that we've been talking about Virginia already, and I didn't even know they were number one. I knew they were going to be way up there. I didn't know they were going to be number one in returning production. And Iowa State, man. What more can I say? Get ready. Get ready. You think I've been a homer for them in the past? Nah, nothing like you've seen this year. We may, we may just peel off the red and yellow. We may be black and white NWO version of Iowa State this year. We don't need you to love us. We don't need you cheering us on. We got us. Okay, as long as we got us, we got a guy about to win the Super Bowl at quarterback this Sunday in Brock Purdy. We're fine. We're going to be fine. Rest of you, I don't know, but we're going to be fine. Utah. Where's Utah, Jesse? We were looking at them earlier. They're in the above 70% area, which is still good. Um, Texas A&M's up there, which I think takes some people by surprise because you picture A&M in your mind and you're like, well, they got Mike Elko, but didn't all the players leave? Um, Not all of them. Some of them did, but they also brought some guys in. And so A&M is not going to be a painfully, woefully inexperienced team this upcoming year. Penn State's up there fairly high. Texas, Oregon, again, through the portal. You see them lose Bo Nix, but you need to pay attention to the fact that they pick up Dylan Gabriel and Dante Moore. So that's the above 70% crowd there. Iowa's up there too, for the record. But what about the bottom? Three of the four college football playoff teams are down near the bottom. Washington, not surprisingly, is tied for 128th in returning production. You know who they're tied with? Michigan. And Michigan doesn't even have a bunch of returning production on their coaching staff either. Bama's at 115. Of course, Bama was in the 120s last year and still went to the playoff. So like I said, this is not a tell-all stat, but it is a telling stat. Now, the most fun thing I think we could do is we could take some of these teams who, you know, may be at like 45 or 50 in overall returning production, but realize there are extremes. For instance, Oklahoma, you look at them, they got the eighth best returning production on defense, but they got 111th on offense. Clemson, 20th on offense, 103rd on defense. Miami, 18 offense, 84 defense. Iowa, 12th offense, 65th defense. So, you know, that, that's really where it becomes imperative on those sides of the ball where you're in the 100s. You need some young guys to step up or you need to really be active in the post-spring portal. And I'm not a big believer that, you know, the post-spring portal is going to, um, you know, bail anyone out. You may hit gold or strike gold every now and then, but that's going to be tough. 
Lacey Washington is tuned in. New Orleans, Louisiana and Augusta, Georgia. Thank you guys so much. So I mentioned this earlier. I wanted to get right back to it for a second. I kind of talked about this on the Late Kick Extra pod, uh, but I do want to circle back around. Jesse, did we have a question about this? Yeah, so number one Michigan fan, Mitch from Lansing, hit us up and said, what do you make of so many of last year's coaching staffers leaving to join Jim Harbaugh in L.A. or just leaving altogether? It's like Harbaugh's jumping ship and leaving the program stranded at sea. It's really not looking good right now. Uh, can't disagree necessarily. It's not the end of the world, but man, they've lost Harbaugh, obviously. They lost Jesse Mentor, the D.C., Jay Harbaugh was a special teams guy, safeties coach, Mike Elliston, defensive line, uh, Ben Herbert, legendary strength and conditioning coach up there. He's gone. They lost some off-field guys. And um, Sharon Moore, you know, technically elevated. So you're looking for an OC. You're looking for a DC. You're looking for a lot, and you're not even mentioning losing players as well. So I'll get back to Harbaugh in a second. But you also got two NCAA investigations sort of just looming in the background. There is unrest, to put it mildly, behind the curtain at the athletic director position, and namely the way a lot of people feel about the athletic director up there. Uh, not, not the biggest superstar in Michigan circles, Ward Manuel. And their NIL situation leaves a lot to be desired right now. What I'm trying to tell you is they just won the national title, and there are a lot of flaws in that program. Winning titles sometimes covers that up, but there are a lot of flaws in that program right now. So... You may ask yourself, oh man, with all this behind-the-scenes drama and friction, what does Sharon Moore do? Uh, he puts his nose down and he gets to work. That's what he does. You fix it. It's your program now. You fix it. Uh, Har Listen, Harbaugh was on very hard times as well not too long ago. So anyone inside that program remembers that. They've seen it. You don't always get handed a winner. Like, you don't always get handed a, a ready-made turnkey national champ repeat type team sometimes you gotta build sometimes you gotta get dirty a little bit maybe they'll have to up there like i said the other day man when when they announced sharon moore i don't know i don't know how qualified he is they do it's i can't know i've never seen him be a head coach aside from you know interim position this year but i don't know him like they do in the building they know him so if they circled him knowing full well how attractive that Michigan job would be nationally if they took it to market, and they still circled him and said, nope, don't need to search. This is our guy. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. I'll judge him based on results, just like the rest of us will. But the people in the building believe in him. Okay, well, the right people, I guess, believe in him. Uh, but they got to get the rest of the right folks in the building. Now, as for Harbaugh, I, I know there's a kind of a modicum of a conversation out there about Jim Harbaugh right now. And well, was this all worth it? Yeah, sure. We won a national title, but now he, he gutted our staff and all the other guys have kind of left or they're not here anymore. And we got these unresolved NCAA investigations. And is that all worth it? Yes, it's all worth it. It's all, I was there. I was in Houston. I saw you guys. I saw those looks on your faces. Absolutely. It's worth it. You won a national championship. You beat Ohio State three years in a row in the process. Yeah, it's worth it. Because you know as well as I do, no matter how this year or next year, the year after that turns out, no matter you know, what kind of like rubber stamp penalties the NCAA comes down on you with, that's not what you're going to tell your grandkids about. If you're a student at Michigan right now, that's not what you're telling your kids 20 years down the road. You don't care about that stuff. You're going to tell them about being at that Ohio State game. You're going to tell them about going to the Big Ten title games and yawning in the second half. You're going to tell them about an instant classic against Bama in the Rose Bowl, finally getting over that playoff hump, and then going to Houston, Texas. And uh, by the way, listening to Hale on the roof pregame. That was a wild experience. And winning a national championship. That's what you're going to tell them. Yeah, that's worth it. Absolutely, that's what. My advice is win a national championship whenever you can. Not necessarily however you can. We're not advocating for underhandedness around here. That's not the Pate State way, but we're going to let the NCAA sort that out. I have no comment on investigations, largely, until they're concluded. And so this one's not yet, or those aren't yet. But yeah, I, yes, it's worth the trade-off. All right, uh, the last thing I wanted to do, since yesterday was National Signing Day, what'd you say, Jesse? Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. 
Hey, Colin, actually, never mind, never mind. We'll talk, we'll talk after the show. So we were looking at some of the odds a second ago. We're talking about FSU, for example, and they are 12th. Well, they're first in the ACC, and they're in the teens to win the national championship this year. We get those odds from FanDuel, of course. Uh, FanDuel, the exclusive odds provider of Late Kick. And also, they are a place where it's going to be a fair amount of action this Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Proudly presented by CBS, of course. And I hope you saw our commercial, of which I can't take any credit. I wasn't in it. Uh, hey Arnold was in it. Drew Barrymore was in it. Your boy didn't get the call for the CBS Super Bowl commercial. Maybe next year. Maybe three years, four years down the road. But FanDuel is going to have a ton of not only traditional bets, but live in-game bets. The prop market is out of this world this year for the Super Bowl. And then there's this an entire different Taylor Swift prop market over here. And if you care, fine. If you don't care, also fine. I, I happen to think that the color of her wardrobe at the game, I have a little inside information on. So that's just me. You do whatever you want to do. You can just easily just take San Fran minus the points for all I care. But whatever you do, do it at FanDuel. Bet $5, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed right now. You can just easily just take San Fran minus the points for all I care. But whatever you do, do it at FanDuel. Bet $5, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed right now. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Uh, one thing I would never advocate for you to do is gamble on recruiting, but I do advocate that you follow recruiting. National Signing Day was yesterday. As you and I are talking Thursday night, National Signing Day was yesterday. Uh, it pales in comparison to what it once was because all that action has moved into December. Personally, I'd love if they scrap that and they go right back to the first Wednesday in February being the national holiday that it very much should be. But I was looking at some of the results here. Now that we have a bow on all these classes, Georgia finished number one again. And this is the 16th straight cycle, an SEC team has finished number one. Uh, Georgia got 18 guys from the top 247. This is not an accident. It's just not an accident. Uh, they invest more in recruiting than anyone. They take it more seriously than just about anyone, although I know there's some other staffs out there working their tails off. But the thing I love about Georgia is, number one, they don't apologize for it. They don't try and nickel and dime their way to a number one recruiting class. They go spend. They invest. And I don't mean NIL. They're not dropping huge bags out there. In fact, they can underbid because they know playing for that Georgia logo, that's what, that's what the rest of you are having to overpay against. We don't have to overpay. We're Georgia. you know. So they've got that going for them. But also, you can tell they've ascended into a little different layer of the, of the atmosphere because this was kind of a ho-hum number one class. If, for instance, if, the, um, if Penn State landed the number one class in the country, it would be a massive story because you don't see Penn State land number one classes. Georgia is just kind of, all right, we landed another number one class. How's, how's 25 looking? We got an early read on 26. That's just standard operating procedure. What about the state of Florida? So I'm always paying attention to Florida, the state. All three teams down there. Miami. Florida State and Florida, all in the top 15. Hasn't always been that way. I am a huge believer that keeping in-state talent home in Florida is one of the keys 
to maintaining or injecting more competitive balance into college football. Miami was fourth, FSU 12th, Florida 14th. Miami really loaded up on the defensive line. Their top three guys are defensive linemen. And you got guys like Reuben Bain that came in in the last class. So they got some monsters there. They are looking at Florida State down there at 12th. And you combine that with Florida State having the number four portal class. So like I said, they got Luke Cromenhoek, who is the future quarterback. They're bridging the gap between now and him with DJ coming in this year. So they, they have quarterback very, very much figured out. And now you hope it turns out like you want it to on paper. But they've got that solved. And they more and more, they're recruiting guys that are going to be the nucleus foundation of the roster. But they will not forsake that transfer portal if they can backfill outgoing talent with really, really good talent already available. Florida, they were in the top five for some of this cycle. They ended up number 14, but they kept DJ Lagway, who is the number three uh, quarterback there, number three overall. And uh, that's a quarterback they had to have. It's a player they had to have. It was the crown jewel of the class. He was. There, there was I know there was some, some bumpiness down the stretch. If Lagway wasn't a part of that class, that was going to be the disaster. What about Texas and OU? Let's hurt some feelings here for just a second. Texas finishes with the number six class in the country. OU not too far behind at number eight. Texas, the two years prior, number three and number five. OU, the two years prior, number five and number eight. The only schools in the SEC who can claim to be better than that are Georgia and Alabama. That's it. That's the end of the list. Outside of Georgia and Bama, no programs in the SEC have recruited at a higher level over the past three years than Texas and Oklahoma. LSU is the next closest. So again, I know it's very uncomfortable to hear this, but there is this very, very false notion that once OU and Texas walk into the SEC, they're in store for a rude awakening. They're going to be rude awakenings. I just think Texas and OU may deal some of them out because if you think that those two are walking in ill-equipped to compete in the SEC, you're crazy. They're averaging classes inside the top seven or top eight over the past three cycles. That's a roster. That's not a class. That's a roster. And then you combine that with what each one of them can do in the transfer portal. They have SEC rosters. They're walking into the conference with SEC rosters. It's not coming in here, learning your way around bumper car style, and then hopefully hopefully building towards towards a nice, solid 2028 season. They're going to be able to win in 2024, and it's going to come at the expense of some of you. I've spoken my piece. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on Jeremiah Smith, number one receiver in the country. He goes to Ohio State. Don't care who else they have on campus. That kid's a day one starter. I think Dylan Riola is fascinating to watch. Um, I think, I think Nebraska picking up Riola, that was one of the biggest stories of the cycle. They flipped him from Georgia. Why? Because he wanted to go there. Independent of what some broadcasters out there may have been alleged to assist with. Uh, what a joke that story has been over the past 48 hours. And so uh, Dylan Riola at Nebraska. Nebraska finished inside the top 20, by the way. And Cam Coleman, an alien receiver at Auburn. Auburn locking down a top 10 class very quietly. I think he's on the field immediately, and I candidly, I think a lot of that Auburn class is on the field immediately. And you know why I think this? Because Tom Loy said so. Tom Loy, congrats. Another, another clap here to end the show. Congrats to Tom Loy elevating to the national recruiting team here. Highly suggest you follow him. A lot of good insight. Been in the game for a long time. And I am, I'm always a fan once, this, once the cycle comes to a close of being around these guys. And, and a lot of them were here today. Ivan's has been here. Cooper's been here. Tom Loy's been here. Uh, Brandon Huffman was here the other day. Of listening to basically sort of an undoing of the, the tie. And you lean back and you, you undo the cufflinks and roll up the sleeves a little bit and you exhale. And then you start to hear some stories. And there's always a catalog of stories that you build up through recruiting cycles. And it always, it's always a treat to listen to that because I'm not in the weeds day to day in recruiting, but they are. So congrats to Tom Lloyd and I highly advise you follow his stuff. A lot of good stuff on 247sports.com right now about National Signing Day. That's it. We got the show in in an hour. Appreciate you guys. No show this Sunday night. Follow me on the socials anyway, at Lake Kick Josh. 
there's a party to be had at management's house, I'm not going in alone. I may provide you guys a little, uh, little insider content this Sunday night. But appreciate you so much for being a part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast. Until next time, for Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, enjoy your weekend, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.